0: Old. Welcome all to another episode of The Ocho, presented to you in partnership, as always, with SB Nation's blog the My name is RG Ochoa. You know me, of course, from BTB and from Writer is your humble host, Don of The Ocho. It is Thursday, the third day, June 30th, 2022. We hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and that you're pumped because we are about to finish the month of June, which means we will have arrived at a month With actual legitimate football activity, the Dallas Cowboys, yes, support to training camp in Oxnard, California, on July 26th. That's both rookies and veterans, which means once we get to July, we can technically say it's football month. Obviously, August is training camp, the preseason, and with September comes the regular season. So we're almost there again i know we've talked about uh, being in the kind of most off y part of the off-season and because that's the case it's it's a weird time for discussion right it's it's only time this is kind of like idle hands and in idle you know emotions when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys in in a time where you know really only weird things happen, and I think a good example of this uh, was, um, you know, it, this did not happen before this week's episode of the NFC East Mixtape. If not, um, Brandon Lee Gowden and myself would have discussed it. By the way, we are recording next week's episode of the Mixtape uh, tomorrow on Friday with Jimmy Kemsky from the Philly Voice. We will get into his reasons that the Cowboys and Eagles will both be dumpster fires, but um, Philadelphia Eagles running back Miles Sanders uh, was quoted recently talking about the Eagles offense, and A.J. Brown, and Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard, and Miles Sanders, and Jalen Hurts. Oh my gosh, all the headlining names. Um, and he said something to the effect of, I don't have the quote in front of me right now, but uh, we have a YouTube video up about it. I did some TikTok stuff as well. Um, something, something to the effect of, it's, it's like having an all-star team. Um, we're unstoppable, or we feel unstoppable. And obviously, everybody immediately... Um, likened it to what Vince Young had to say uh, 11 years ago and I know that some of you are a little bit younger but um, 11 years ago the Philadelphia Eagles had an incredible offseason just an amazing offseason they signed Namdi Asamoah and I can tell you at the time I was very upset about that younger RJ was very 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 miffed uh, that the Dallas Cowboys did not land Namdi Asamoah but uh, that's by the way Friday Night Lights actor Namdi Asamoah but, uh, but Namdi was just one of a few players who the Eagles signed that offseason Jason Babb and Dominic Rogers Cromartie and Vince Young uh Vince Young of University of Texas fame uh, offensive rookie of the year with the Tennessee Titans had a very interesting NFL career before arriving in Philadelphia obviously there's the reported falling out with Jeff Fisher and whatnot but it was Vince Young who said that they were the dream team who likened them to the 1992 United States men's basketball team um I do feel like this is a separate issue um we revert to the same cliches for stuff over and over and over again so like any team that's good is the dream team uh similarly to how and it's funny that this also involves michael jordan it also involves michael jordan um anytime a player does well in the face of adversity you always see the i took that personally meme like it's the meme has been overdone we don't need to do the i took that personally meme anymore that's just my statement for the world but um anyway um that completely backfired on the 2011 Philadelphia Eagles. They were terrible. Um, they were four and eight. Actually, they were one and four at one point in time, Then they were four and eight. And they won four meaningless games at the very end. They went four and twelve the next year. They fired Andy Reid. They brought in Chip Kelly, who traded everybody away. It was just a really dark period of time uh, for Eagles fans. Just a, a bummer, seriously. I can, you know, bummer of, of a of an experience. Although it did lead to uh, to Doug Peterson and their lone Super Bowl title, whatever. But anyway, Miles Sanders saying this is is just it's. This is the time of year where that kind of stuff happens, right? what those quotes are said, and and I, you know, there were a lot of Eagles fans in my mentions about this on Wednesday. You know, what do you expect him to say? What's he supposed to say? Is he not supposed to have confidence? Of course, he's supposed to have confidence, but he's not supposed to come out, you know, and declare something like that. And that's where I think you get into trouble. We haven't had that, you know, that kind of situation encircled at Alice Cowboys in recent memory. Um, I do think it's funny now looking back on it. The probably you know biggest instigator of something like that was Tony Romo um you know if you will recall in 2015 specifically um the first thing to happen was when the Cowboys lost to the Patriots when Brandon Whedon's Cowboys lost to the Patriots um after the game Romo walked up to Tom Brady and said see you in February and that was a big deal because it was like oh Romo saying the Cowboys are going to play the Patriots in the Super Bowl the Cowboys can't win with that," and blah, blah blah and um later that season, Romo was very new to Twitter, um, shared a clip. I've never seen the movie Major League. I know that's um, disappointing to some people. I've Actually, there are some like, classic baseball movies I've never seen. Never seen Major League, never seen Field of Dreams. Um, but anyway, Romo shared a, a clip, I presume from the end of the movie or the climax of the movie, like the epic part of I don't know who it is, the main character, but one of the characters saying, oh, "I guess there's only one thing left for us to do: win the whole bleeping thing." And and Romo shared that clip, which was really cool. It was like at the time, it was like, "Oh hell yeah!" Like this dude's in it, and and you know. So, but that backfired. The Cowboys were a disaster uh, in 2015. Again, they did not win a game without him actually they won one sorry um they went one and 11 without him shout out to Matt Castle but Romo came back and won in Miami and then his season was over the next week um on Thanksgiving against the Carolina Panthers and actually his career was over (laughs) because the next year he got hurt before he could make a regular season start and Dak Prescott took over and here we are uh Dak Prescott himself had a line that was like a cousin of this after the Cowboys lost to the Buccaneers last year and the season opener said we'll see them again or whatever um so basically, if you're talking right now, generally speaking, only bad things are going to come from that, which is why you hear the same kind of, you know, monotone, monotonous answers from players when they do interviews right now, unless it's on their own kind of podcast. And I'm not saying like players shouldn't talk, but um, it, it was very obvious when Miles Sanders gave this quote what it was going to be turned into. Um, and so all that kind of led me to think, and you know, I've been on some other podcasts lately and, and talking about what the season looks like for the Cowboys. I do think it's amazing that, um, because I, I, I truly have never felt this way. And, and I, I say that not to sound hyperbolic or like a prisoner of the moment. I have never felt this way about the Dallas Cowboys in my time covering them professionally, in my time as a fan, in, in my time on this earth. I mean, I you know it's all basically the same thing. I cannot think of a time where I was this uncertain of what we are going to see because I can talk myself into any of it right I can talk myself into them competing because they have Dak Prescott they have Micah Parsons CeeDee Lamb you know by all accounts should take the leap to be the the top wide receiver on the team they've got a really this is probably the best tight end they've had on the team since what 2014-ish I mean right like who Dalton Schultz is right now I mean The run game is whatever. Don't run the ball. Just throw the ball forever. Um, Defensively, they have – this is what probably – Trayvon Diggs right now, I realize, and I know I've talked about this and written about this, but he won't have a billion interceptions, but he is still the best corner they've had since – Brandon Carr, right? Like some, like twenty fourteen ish, twenty thirteen ish. Brandon Carr. I mean, that like the pieces are there, so I can talk myself into that. And then beyond that, you talk yourself. You're, so you you're one step in, right? You're okay. Well, they've got all this, blah blah blah. And then it's well, their division sucks, right? Like I don't care what Miles Sanders is saying, their division is so bad, blah 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 blah. And then it's well, beyond their division, they're playing the AFC South. You know, they <laughs> they should win a majority of those games rather handily. And beyond those games, they're playing the NFC North. I mean, they get the Bears and the Lions. Like I. I've said this to, to some people in the shows I've done lately. It is very, very – like I want you to try. I want you when you have a moment to pull up the Dallas Cowboys schedule and be as pessimistic as you can within reason. I don't – you cannot get to 10 losses. You can't. It would take – and this has happened to be fair, which is why we're, we're very scarred. Um, it would take some sort of – not collapse, but some sort of ailment, some sort of, of you know – left turn, some sort of wonky thing. And and obviously that includes injuries and things like that. It would take something like that, I think, to get this train that far off the tracks. I think you can almost autopilot your way this year, given the talent on the team and the lack of talent around you, the schedule that befell you and and kind of wind up in the 10-11 win territory. I really, truly believe that in my bones. And so that's why that's the one part of me that can easily talk myself into, okay, 10 wins easy. I don't know what the, the playoffs would have in store for them, but they will probably win the NFC East again. But then there's the other part of me that says, well, you know, this roster is definitely weaker on paper than it was last year, right? And I know there are players to be excited about, but if we're being fair, if we're being objective, the roster is not as talented as it was the day that the season ended against the 49ers. They don't have Amari Cooper or Lyle Collins or Connor McGu- or Connor, excuse me, Connor Williams. And I know that you and a lot of other people don't like Connor Williams, but he was talented and we are going to miss him. They don't have, obviously, uh, Randy Gregory. And do they have players who can step up and grow and develop and, you know, kind of find those roles and become starters in their own way? Absolutely. But the likelihood of them being better than the players they're replacing on day one or even day 30 or 60 or 90 this season is low. That's my only point. But maybe they will work out in the long term. Let's hope that is the case. So, OK, that's part of, of the negative side of the fork in the road here. Beyond that, well... They you know we've said this several times they haven't won they haven't been a playoff team in back-to-back seasons since 2006 and 2007 you're talking 15 years it's been since they've been a playoff team in consecutive seasons they haven't won double-digit games in back-to-back years since 1995 and 1996 over 30 years have passed since they have been oh not over 30 years kind gracious let me that's terrible math i'm embarrassing but my point is like it has been over two decades two and a half decades since they have won double digit games and back-to-back seasons obviously it's not surprising then that they haven't been a playoff team in back-to-back years their last five playoff campaigns have all been division winning seasons so that's why they are they're generally all or not it is it is all or nothing, the fantastic O-Town song, that is who they are, that's why they really haven't been a wild card team, in fact, the last time they were a wild card team, they should have won the division, in 2006, they choked it away when they lost to Philly on Christmas, they lost to Detroit the very next week, shout out to John Kitna, who would actually return to save the Cowboys by virtue of Dak Prescott, um, and so, but that's that's the negative side, right? There hasn't been a repeat champion in the NFC since 2004. The Eagles loaded up a little bit. They are better on paper, even though Miles Sanders is really kind of buying into it a little bit more than maybe most people around the league are. So, that is the negative side of this coin. So, I go back and forth, right? And then, you know, you that's just the kind of players and schedule part of it. Well, coaching, okay, this is... Look, I know that you and a lot of people are down on Mike McCarthy. And when I say you, I mean the general you. I know that you are not, but I'm talking to this this you, right? Like you are down on McCarthy, but you are not. Um, but the reality is Mike McCarthy today – and I've my opinion on McCarthy has regressed. I really was not a fan of the way the second half of the season wore on. But I do think that I trust McCarthy a little bit more implicitly than I really ever trusted Jason Garrett. And so Mike McCarthy is the best coach they've had since – What 2006, right? Like if if we're if we're playing that game, if you look at every single head coach that the Dallas Cowboys have had since then, so we go 2007, Wade Phillips, 2008, Wade Phillips, 2009, Wade Phillips, 2010, Wade Phillips, and then the Jason Garrett's of 2011 through 2019, and then the Mike McCarthy of 20 and 21. I think 2022, Mike McCarthy is the best head coach that the Dallas Cowboys have had. Certainly, the most accomplished head coach that they've had since 2006, Bill Parcells. And so you've got that factor. What about the offensive coordinator? What about Killing more Moore. I don't know. You know, I don't know that I feel like he's one of the better offensive coordinators they've had in, in this same kind of stretch of time. I definitely think that Dan Quinn is one of the better defensive coordinators they've had. So if you play that game, you move around. But, you know, still, they're fighting a lot of history. And they, you know, the reason that they are worse, and this is where I think a lot of us, you know, or what a lot of us come back to, the reason that they are worse is not just this weird stuff, not just you know what, the Dolphins overpaid Byron Jones, like what can you do about that, it's not stuff like that, and even the Randy thing, I'll give him, I'll, you know what, the weird contract language, fine, weird stuff happens, whatever, the Amari, the Lyle Collins, the Connor Williams, all these things, and I'm not saying that they're all equal, but all those things were very difficult to, to stomach, even the way the draft unfolded, the, I'm very excited for Tyler Smith and Sam Williams and Jalen Tolbert, but those were all need-based picks, and sometimes need lines up with best player available, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but you know, I mean, there's a lot of us who would have liked to have seen that go a little bit differently. So it is just a weird time of year. This is, these are the final weeks that we have to kind of, you know, sort of sway in the wind to figure out how we feel, what our emotions are and how we're going to sort of emotionally and mentally prepare ourselves for the coming months that are on their way. Um, and so I think it's fair to be all over the place. I think it's fair to be a little bit emotionally scattered. Um, but, um, at the end of the day, you know we'll kind of iron out and sharpen ourselves as training camp you know rolls on and and arrives and and teaches us you know some things that we don't totally know but training camp can be you know training camp can fool you right like think think about last year and and maybe we'll we'll do a show on on this topic um you know in in a few weeks but think about this name this name was hot at Dallas Cowboys training camp right what I'm about to tell you Maurice Kennedy Remember, remember when he had the interception on Matthew Stafford? We were like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> we were like, "Whoa!" I mean, at the time, we didn't even, you know, we weren't, we weren't paying any attention to Trayvon Diggs. We were like, "Watch out!" and Maurice Kennedy wasn't even like a factor on, on the defense, like all season long. So training camp can, can be fool's gold in some ways. So you have to be aware of that as well. Um, I'm excited. But uh, we have a series going on our YouTube channel uh, where we are previewing every position group on the entire team in the lead up to training camp. On Tuesday, we did quarterbacks today as Bear scratches his neck and his collar right here in the room. What's up, buddy? Uh, Tuesday, we did quarterbacks today. Thursday, the day this episode drops, we are doing defensive ends. We'll be doing them every couple of days, like I said, in the lead up to training camp. So make sure to go subscribe to the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel so you don't miss any of those. Make sure to also have yourself a wonderful day. Like, Seriously, just have the greatest Thursday of all time. Have the best Thursday ever. You know why? Because you deserve it. We will see you manana, my friends. As always, go Cowboys and peace out.